0: Your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day.
0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime.
1: John, some sports guy Hickman, and this season, good football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with a condensed game. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. It's Wednesday. We never stop talking about the Houston Texans. That's why you guys are tuned in just to give you guys some news on September 23rd, 2020, as we are a few days away from the Houston Texans taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. 0-2 oh, Houston Texans uh, taking on a still a team that offense has looked rejuvenated now that they have their quarterback uh, back. Clayton Poole, the rookie out of Notre Dame, has been looking very useful for Big Ben. So our DBs, our secondary will have some work cut out for them as they have to worry about him. Eric Ebron along with Juju Smith-Schuster. But just to give you guys some news for today, the Houston Texans signed Dwayne Harris and Devin Smith, both receivers, Dwayne Harris, who sits at 215 pounds, Devin Smith, 205, 28 years old, out of Ohio State. Like I said, both receivers, they signed both of those agents to the practice squad, while the Houston Texans also released wide receiver Tyler Simmons from the practice squad as well. Also, the Houston Texans worked out Miles Brown, Ryan Glasgow, Jordan Mills, and Saquon Hampton as well as of yesterday. So the Houston Texans are still being very active in shaping up their practice squad and bringing in players they believe could potentially get them a win in the win column.
0: Well, yesterday ESPN released their power ranking of the NFL team so far, and even though I'm not happy with it. And I'm I'm actually surprised. I think ESPN actually gave the Texans a, a little bit more credit because they placed 20th out of the 32 NFL teams in the league and they actually placed higher than some of the teams that actually have won a game like the Washington football team, the Cleveland Brown and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So even though things might look gloomy, I'm pretty sure ESPN, the power ranking crew, they came in and say, look, they had arguably one of the hardest opening to an NFL schedule, possibly in history. So we're going to cut them some slack there on too, but hopefully the guys that the Houston Texans were able to sign, get to the practice squad can actually help this team get some kind of wins. Because right now, like I said on yesterday, John, they are in trouble. Speaking of trouble today, we have a guest for you guys. Another guest from sports radio, 16 in Houston. I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with his work. We're going to get into that on the other side of the break.
1: We spoke about the free agents that the Houston Texans worked out uh, and also signed to their practice squad. But I got to tell you with those guys that they tried to fill in those positions and roles that they either lost out on or guys retired, you know, they're just not cutting it. And so I look at the available free agents. I look at Earl Thomas, who's still out there, played for Baltimore. Ha-ha Clinton Dix, who was released by Dallas, Uh, even on the offensive side, I look at Larry Warford at guard, who recently played for the New Orleans Saints, and Damon Snacks Harrison, who recently played for Detroit. He is age 31, although I do believe PJ Hall is doing a very good job. But there are room for improvement. You also have Rashad Jones, safety, who played for Miami, and Eric Reed, brother of Houston Texans, uh, Justin Reed, who also plays safety. So I think Houston has an opportunity to really look at the free agent pool assess what they have on their roster, where they can get better at, and go ahead and make a move uh, if the money allows them to with the contract they can agree on with the player. But as Ody alluded to, we do have a special guest today. Cannot wait to talk to the Houston Texans, your Houston Texans, on today's episode. Cannot wait. All of that being said, and Thursday Night Football around the corner this season, like I told you guys earlier, get your football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. So none of that other flack that you don't care for. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all of the action, all of the football you can handle in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You can also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from players' perspective as they break down game concepts and techniques. Learn from your Houston Texan star Deshaun Watson, or you can learn from Stephen Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL film's archives. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today, NFL Game Pass, where football never stops.
0: A few weeks ago, we had the pleasure of speaking with Seth Payne, and we actually did like a season preview with Mr. Payne, but we all have another opportunity to have another special guest here on Locked On Texans today, and we actually have Mr. Payne's colleague over at Sports Radio 610. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Locked On Texans, Mr. Brandon Scott. Brandon, what's going on, my man?
2: Oh, man, I'm doing good, man. I appreciate y'all for having me.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. First and foremost, how are you and your family doing during this tropical storm that we have right here in Houston?
2: Yeah, man, it's funny because I got three little kids, and mm-hmm. one of them, one of them's uh, daycare situation changed up on me. Mm. Uh, that that was really the biggest thing. We were good; there there wasn't any uh, like like flip. Actually, last night I had a close call because I. I ran into some water and had to back up a a pretty significant ways. Uh, I I mean, I dodged that. Uh, The main thing was figuring out, you know, childcare situation when the daycare decided that they were going to close early because of the weather situation. But other than that, man, everybody's good. Everybody's safe. uh, Everybody's dry. So um, can't complain, man.
0: So Brandon, let's jump right into things and talk about these Houston Texans because oh boy, we have a lot to discuss um, as of right now, our team currently sits zero and two, and have another big test this week when they as they prepare for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Brandon, right off the back, what are your thoughts about the season so far?
2: <laughs> I mean, it, it's been a rough one. I I will say, just to qualify everything, it has gone close to what you would expect in terms of the result. Like, I don't think anybody expected when the when the schedule came out. I don't think anybody expected them to beat the Chiefs or the Ravens. I don't think too many, t- too many people are expecting them to be the Steelers this week. Um, so, as far as the result goes, and, you know, it's a results business, it, it, the result is about what I thought it would be. I did not think they would win either of those two games. Now, how we got there, that's really the discussion point. That's really the thing to reflect on and to really wonder about and really worry about if you're a Texans fan. Um, I think about last year when they lost the season opener on Monday Night Football to the New Orleans Saints. They lost that game. They were only one after that game, but you felt pretty good about the team and how they looked in that game. You felt good about Deshaun Watson and how he looked. You felt good about, uh, you know, Kenny Stills. Uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins had a couple of drops that game, which was weird, but you felt good about the team after defeat. And then in, in week two, so, you know, comparing week two after week two to, of last year to now, after week two, you know, you get that goal line stand from, uh, from Justin Reed on Leonard Fournette, and, like, that was an ugly game, and you felt like maybe you should have beat the, uh, the Jaguars maybe closer to what you did in, in, uh, in London. Uh, but, but you still won that game, and you were 1-1. and You felt good, even though it wasn't – everything wasn't perfect. You felt good about how the team looked. In this situation, it's like, where do exactly do they even go from here? Um, you know, it, this is the first time in a long time where I've looked at it and 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 could not find too many things to really hang your hat on as far as, hey, this is this is something positive for the Texans. You know, like in in, in the long term, like other than you have Deshaun Watson, you know, that's that's the best I can. That's the best I can. Deshaun Watson's on the team. That's that's all I got for you.
1: You know, I want to ask you a question about the defense. Uh, We know there was a lot of turnover going into this offseason, going into this year. Do you believe Anthony Weaver may be in over his head at this point, or does he lack talent defensively?
2: Yeah, no, I don't think he's in over his head at all. Um, I think it's the second thing you said. He he lacks talent defensively. I think that he he does not have a ton to work with. Now, to the defense's credit, I, I made the point, earlier, uh, maybe a couple of days ago or right after the game, that the defense feels like it's getting graded on a curve a little bit because even when they have a bad performance, the offense is so bad that people are like, well, look at the, d- the defense is giving you a chance, which is true, but they're also not very good, like if we're just honest about it. There's not a lot of talent there. I mean, outside of obviously J.J. Watt, you have J.J. Watt, you have Zach Cunningham, you have Justin Reed, Bradley Roby's a pretty good cornerback. But other than that, I, I, I don't – I was just looking at some of the film. I hadn't gotten through all of the Texans-Ravens game film yet, but I'd gotten through pretty much all of the first quarter. And, man, nobody on that defense other than Zach Cunningham and Justin Reed at times flashes and obviously J.J. Watt. Other than those guys, nobody stands out on the defense at all. Like no one jumps out on film. Um, your outside linebackers, Whitney Merciless and Brennan Scarlett, Whitney Marshalis at times is like doing things that I don't even quite understand, like just in terms of like, like how he's, how he's playing a particular play and Brennan Scarlett is giving you max effort. He's just decidedly. And I hate to say this because I, I like Brennan Scarlett as a guy, but he's just decidedly average at the position, you know, you know, tough, smart, dependable, probably like how Bill O'Brien likes him, but just not a, not a standout player. Um, and if you remember he replaced, devian Clowney uh, in terms of, you know, the the position and everything. So to, to answer your question, man, it, it is, uh, it's unfortunate, but there is not a lot there on the defense. I also look at the
1: defense and Bill O'Brien, I mentioned it a couple of days ago. We mentioned it a day before that, but at some point I think they have, Experiment with Lonnie Johnson playing at the safety position, rather at corner. Uh, but I want to flip sides and talk about the offense and go straight to the leader of this entire team, Deshaun Watson, who's going into year four. Why is going through reads for Watson still a problem?
2: Man, I don't have a great answer for that. I really don't. Um, I, I I wish I did. I don't think that all of what we see is – him having issue going through reads, like like there's something there to what you're saying. But, you know, the totality of it is, you know, pass protection, scheme. Like it, it is a number of things that are at play here or that are an issue here for in terms of why the passing game isn't what you'd like for it to be. Um, as far as why he's not getting through reads, I like I, I really wish that, that I knew I I thought he did a decent job of it in the opener against, against the chiefs. There just wasn't a lot there. And that's what stood out about that game was just, that it just wasn't a lot of, you didn't see a lot of separation from the receivers or any kind of mismatches created, Uh, you know, back to that point I made about no one standing, like no one stood out. There was no, like uh, David Johnson stood out, I guess in that game, but uh, Jordan Akins at times, he only had two targets. Um, and so uh, why Deshaun struggles to to get through his reads of progressions, I, I, I do not have a great answer. I, d- I did get to ask him about the interception uh, to, uh, to to Marcus Peters in the Ravens game. And he admitted, man, he just got – he has to see better uh, what's underneath uh, on those crossing routes. He's got to see that better. Marcus Peters played that play perfectly. And I know at the moment that what stood out to me more than Deshaun – not making the right read or not seeing the guy was just the athletic play that Marcus Peters made. I was more impressed by that in the moment. But definitely when you look back at it, um, that's, a, that's a pretty basic read and something that Deshaun Watson has to see. Um, I can't remember if that co- – it definitely didn't cost him a touchdown. It might have cost him a field goal. But that's, that plays right after the Kiki QT fumble. And to me, when you take those two turnovers back-to-back, uh, and consider that against the team that you're playing. That to me is actually where the game was lost, um, for, for in, in my eyes. Um, or, or and even it seemed like after that is when they might have even thought the game was lost. You know, it seemed like they didn't have much energy after that. Um, he's got to he's got to see it better, man. Um, Deshaun stands out athletically, but the issue with reading defenses, I don't I don't know how big of an issue it is, or Or if it's just the, like I said, the totality of all of it. I I, I wish I had a better answer for that.
0: Brandon, when we're talking about Deshaun Watson's struggles so far this season, I'm under the consumption that it is due to the fact of the play calling or lack thereof coming from either Bill O'Brien or Tim Kelly. So what are your thoughts about the play callings coming from Tim Kelly and especially the the the, the, the one of the most boneheaded decisions that we possibly hopefully will see this whole entire season? The call to go for it on fourth down. On their own, thirty-four in the first quarter. I might add.
2: Yeah, in the first quarter is the part that really got me. I thought it was too early to be that ambitious. I saw so a couple of things, <laughs> a couple of things to pack here with the play calling. The play calling has been an issue. I I think I was optimistic about it with Tim Kelly getting the play calling duties. That you know it would just be fresher eyes. He's younger. He. He's, you know, seems to have Deshaun Watson's ear. So I had some optimism about that, that we would see that. And, and he even talked, you remember this, Cody, in the offseason when we mm-hmm. would talk to Tim Kelly and when we would talk to Deshaun and, and even Bill O'Brien, they would talk about seeing the game and the offense through the same eyes and through the same lens as the quarterback and vice versa, and everyone just being on the same page. And I think here, more so I said, vice versa, I think the focus actually is seeing the eyes to the quarterback more so than vice versa, I should say. So seeing the eyes to the quarterback because he's the talent, right? He's the one that's going to get you there if you're going to get there. And so I thought that it would be more of an offense that seems in tune with his instincts and strengths and, and abilities. And of course, it's not that. It looks a lot like, the what we've already seen before, which I think also could have been expected, considering the the relationship with Tim, of Tim Kelly and Bill O'Brien, and that's just he's learned basically everything he everything he knows from Bill O'Brien. So so perhaps that shouldn't be as surprising. Maybe we should have expected that. But I will say though on the play on the fourth down, like so again, first quarter, I don't get doing it that early. I I, I don't understand that. But the play call, if we if we break it down, what's so maddening about it is if you look at it, it's clearly a safety blitz on the edge. Like the safety is lined up at the line of scrimmage, and, and you have to go back to third. Cody, you remember after the game, Randall Cobb reminds us that that play was essentially the play that they ran on third down <laughs> that failed. Right? Yeah, he did. He told us that, and, and I. I'm in full transparency, man, in this moment I was at the game. In this moment I got up to go to the restroom, and I actually had missed this sequence. I didn't see it live, mm-hmm. so I had been told about it. I'm hearing Randall Cobb talk about it, and I'm like, "What? The same play? No, no, of course not. That wouldn't happen." I didn't see it until this morning when I'm, or actually, not even this morning. This afternoon I'm looking at it, and it is sure enough the same play. But the problem with it, the reason why it failed the first time, is because no one either by the, the, the scheme or the pickup, like the, the, the recognition of the play, no one thought it wise to block the safety who is lined up at the line of scrimmage. If you look at the play, the right tackle, Titus Howard, engages with the, with the inside guy. So they kind of shift, the offensive line shifts, and, or they, I should say they slide. And the right guard, Zach Fulton, is engaged with no one. On both plays, he's engaged with no one. Meanwhile, the safety, who, you know, if you look at the play, you think, okay, the right tackle is going to get the guy on the edge. If not, then somebody that's somebody's job, whether it's a tight end or a running back, somebody's got to get that guy. Nobody gets them, and it doesn't even look like it's schemed up for that person to be blocked. So the fact that they would run that play on third down and it would result in the way that it did, it resulted in that guy in that safety coming straight at Deshaun Watson untouched, unblocked, unimpeded, and they did it again, and they didn't adjust the blocking scheme. Literally, the exact same thing happens again. And so I, I don't know if that's a bad I – can't, I can't tell you what it, whether that's a bad play call because the play never had a chance to begin with, you know, because of the blocking scheme or, or because of this lack of recognition that somebody should, should maybe touch the person that is lined up on the edge. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was baffling. And that it would happen once is bad enough. That it would happen twice back-to-back. And the second time be on fourth down in the first quarter in your own territory. Like I, I am, I am just floored by that. <laughs> floored by that because I look, I'm I'm not trying to misrepresent myself as some kind of like super film guru. I'm just a person with two eyes and good sense. And, and I'm, I'm from Houston. So I've been watching football my whole life, but like, I'm, I'm not like a a, a football coach or like this super uh, duper analyst Football analyst, I, I just got two eyes and I can see <laughs> that somebody should check the guy on the edge, you know, if not the first time, certainly the second time. So it, it, it was it was odd to me. I don't know what's going on uh, with the offense, with the, with the with the pass blocking. And it's a it's a problem, man. It's a real problem.
0: Yeah, and and I know exactly what play you're talking about because I've actually rewatched most of the game up until the fourth quarter, possibly up until the Mark Ingram run. I watched that game again on Monday, and that play, I I, I was baffled by the fact that nobody in their right mind had the had the presence in mind to pick up that safety that actually came in on a blitz. It was really frustrating, and you know, if we feel like this, I always wonder how does Bill O'Brien and Tim Kelly, the offensive line, and even Deshaun Watson himself, because, of course, you and I, we can ask them, but nine times out of ten, you know they're going to give us the political answer. But speaking of Tim Kelly, Deshaun Watson, and his whole play calling, early on in the week, I talked about how I felt, and I, and I said that I kind of feel like Bill O'Brien and Tim Kelly is limiting Deshaun Watson's skill set to the point where we're not getting – 100% of Deshaun Watson. When we look across the league and we look at the quarterbacks that he's compared to Lamar Jackson, um, Patrick Mahomes, w- Wilson, Aaron Rodgers those guys are in a system and they have a coach who has actually built an offense in the system around their unique skill set. And that's part of the reason why they have been able to flourish. But down here in Houston, it seems like Bill O'Brien, Tim Kelly, or whoever's calling the plays has this stronghold on Deshaun Watson where it's like, okay, you go out there and perform, but at the same time, we want you to do it our way. Do you get that same sense that at the end of the day, as great as Deshaun Watson has been these past three years, we are still, we have still not seen the best version of Watson due to the play calling.
2: Well, not only that, Cody, I think that what's I think most bothersome for the fans, at least from what I can gather from like the audience at, at sports radio six ten mm-hmm. is that it did seem like it did seem like it was that way when they first put him in there his rookie year you know so it, it's not like it never looked that way you remember this man like in 2017 like when they first put him in there it seemed like they were kind of just letting him be himself yeah i don't know mm-hmm. if that has to do with more more with the fact that or maybe with them not thinking that he was going to be the start, they weren't really necessarily prepared to throw him in there that early and it it just went bad. It went south early. I don't know. Maybe they just weren't really prepared or he wasn't prepared for them to do what they want him to do or for them to try to fit the square peg in the round hole because I I feel (laughs) like that's a little bit like that's what it feels like. Now, to be fair, man, to be fair, they do have some of the things that we're talking about and that we want to see. They have some of that in the offense. We, it's not like we never see it. We see it sometimes. But then they go back to like this, you know, you know, we're trying to make them to, to be Tom Brady or like we joke on the radio over here trying to make them to be Tom Savage. You know, like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you, why are you, why do you have... You know, why are you trying to turn a, a Ferrari into a, a minivan? I don't know. That's probably not the best way to, to, to. Oh, to, it's the
0: best way. That's that's the know, that's like, what I'm seeing. That that's kind of how it
2: feels. You know, because Tom uh, Savage was a minivan. I get
1: it. he was man. not uh, L X anything. He was a take your kids to school minivan, and that's yeah. okay. We need minivan guys out here.
2: Right. You, yeah, there there's value to the minivan, but that ain't that this ain't it though. This is not what that is. And so yeah, nah, I mean I feel that way, but I also feel like they do have some of the elements in the offense of what we're talking about and they just don't tap into it enough. I'm not sure exactly why that is. It is frustrating to watch it though when you consider like like watch Cam Newton in these first couple of weeks over in New England and what they're doing, you know and for Cam Newton to be able to step right in to New England and Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels to be able to already be like be ready and willing to curtail their offense to what the player is that they brought in yeah man that's frustrating like you don't see them doing things over there in New England in these first couple of weeks that don't suit Cam Newton that don't complement what he is um, as far as, like, Deshaun in the running game, because I know that's part, uh, a big part of, like, what we're getting at here or at least a piece of that discussion. I do feel like they are struggling with this balancing act of wanting to be cautious with Deshaun, um, not, want him, not wanting him to get injured. <laughs> um, I think that's evidenced by what they've tried to do with the offensive line. Um, keep in context what happened to him his rookie year. That he's torn his ACL in his life, what, twice now at least, right? Going back to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, when you think of all of that, take it all into context. He's not the, he's not, Deshaun's a, a strong dude and he's got decent size, but he's not cam size, you know? So it's not like he's the biggest guy in the world. I feel like there is something that they're trying to do that's responsible in terms of keeping him safe, but I don't think you can play scared either. Um, I do sympathize with that delicate balance. Um, I wouldn't want the weight of that on my shoulders, but it does feel like they should unleash them a little bit more, a lot more. You know, when I look at this team,
1: I notice that, you know, you were, you know, just to put it how it was, pissed off about that fourth down call and throughout the first two games allowed eight sacks, 27 QB hits. They are really struggling with blitz pickups. And I think that's, understandable considering they have a young offensive line. When we look at Max Sharpen, who's in his second year, Titus Howard, who's in his second year, did not finish the season last year, hadn't played a real football game since last November. They're very young, but they are struggling. And it seems to me that Mike Devlin has struggled with putting together decent offensive lines. He, I mean, since he arrived in Houston, he has not been able to coach them up, like I would say. Uh, at some point, maybe when a year is finished, because I think it's fair considering everything the entire league had to go through, uh, at some point, does Mike Devlin get any blame moving forward to not being able to develop an offensive line?
2: I mean, he has to, he has to, man. I, I think that, I think that this year was coming into this year was really interesting from a narrative standpoint. You know if you you know I, I know y'all are obviously in the thick of it, like I am, and so this narrative was pushed to us, and most of us have peddled it at some point about how valuable it is that the offensive line is returning all five starters for the first time in like a decade. you know like we 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 talked that up, and it felt like a significant thing, not just that all five of them were returning, but for the most part, you felt. Pretty good about all five of them, you know. Um, I know that Zach Fulton is also, is often thought of as the weak link, but you know he's a solid pro. You know he, he struggles at times. He struggles with elite players, and and I I have noticed that that uh, defensive defenses have tried to pick on that right side in general on, on Zach and Titus. Um, but you felt good about what you had there, and. and in theory, it feels like you still should, you know, but the play that I was upset about, you know, that I was talking about um, a moment ago, or those two plays, or I think are like the prime example of, you know, what is this? What is this game? What is going on here? I mean, he's got to take some of the blame. You know, I, I think that part of it before, like before now was a talent issue. Um, you, you know, the, those couple of years, like the, like, I guess the everything post Dwayne Brown and pre Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, I think was, was really rough. Um, I don't know if that's an excuse, but you can see how they would struggle there. Now that they feel like they fortified the offensive line, I don't know what the excuse would be. So I I don't see how the answer to your question could be anything other than yes given what we've seen so far it's still early so it's not like they don't have time to 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 fix it and to make the offensive line look like how they kind of branded it to us but as of right now yeah man yeah, i mean yeah you, you should have some you should have some serious questions and be scratching your head seriously
0: yeah we all are scratching our heads but brandon you know like i like i said and i believe you said that as well this was a very tough way to open out a season no matter what team to go from kansas city and then turn around play baltimore i had them going one and one john had them going one and one but at the end of the day we all knew there was a good possibility that they was going to start this season zero and two but like you say the way they got to zero and two is very concerning so man once again we just want to say thank you so much for stopping by real quick where can the listeners follow you at on twitter
2: man follow me at brandon k scott on twitter man um like I say, I run Sports Radio 610's website and social media. So a lot of times what you see over there is actually me. <laughs> uh, but but to follow me, man, it's, it's at Brandon K. Scott.
1: That was Brandon K. Scott over at 610. Uh, you know what? Shout out to Electrifying Phenom. And I guess, Cody, we officially have to start a campaign, Get Locked On on 610. How about that? How,
0: how does that sound? I mean, that would be perfect when you take a look at it. Locked on Rockets, flagship radio station over at 790. Why not? Why not Why just get not? locked on Texans over, you know, get a, get a nice partnership, relationship going with 610. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind
1: either. Hell, you know I wouldn't mind. I love the radio. But, again, that was Brandon K. Scott. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon K. Scott. You know what I noticed? I'm not the only one seeing some of these things wrong with this team. If you heard exactly what he said, I've said some of the same things almost verbatim. Mm -hmm. It just seems like everybody's eyes are open. You know, when I look at myself, I have four eyes I can use, and the problems are there. Now, granted, I'm going to give them the opportunity to fix these problems simply because they did not have a regular offseason. Hell, they didn't have an offseason at all, right? Right. And so that's why the Vikings game is circled on my schedule for Houston because they are atrocious, and I believe if they lose to Minnesota, then the real conversation can start. But you don't want to go down 0-3. You really don't want to lose to Pittsburgh. Uh, This is a very winnable game for Houston, right? Pittsburgh has looked good. Granted, they have looked really good. Uh, And I am really worried about the matchups of Bud Dupree versus Titus Howard. It could be T.J. Watt on, on his side, but either way, I'm really worried about that right side of the offensive line going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers front seven. And if I'm an NFL DC right now looking at Houston's team, I'm going to bliss the hell out of them. They can't pick up blitz packages mm-hmm. on their right side, uh, and they're, they're going to continue to make that right side block, or the lack thereof, which will put their quarterback in a position where he won't have time to throw. He won't have the opportunity to go through reads and the offense will not be explosive, Cody. So, so again, the two Houston Texans really have a lot to work on ahead of Sunday's matchup versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm John. Some sports guy. Hickman. Follow me on Twitter at some sports guy. Follow the team, the locked on Texas team at locked on Texans and like us on Facebook, shout us out, tweet us anytime we love to have fun. Uh, again, shout out to the Electrifying Phenom. I always love his questions. And, you know, he's lobbying us to get on sixteen. So uh, I, I think this is something we can make happen.
0: Hopefully. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.